Today on Save As. It's just a way to, you know, remember my family's history, to respect this place, pay homage to what happened here, and to restore and keep going the memory of Manzanar so that this never happens again. Welcome to Save As podcast that glimpses the future of heritage conservation through the work of graduate students at the University of Southern California. I'm Cindy Alnick. And I'm Trudy Sandmeyer. So, Cindy. Yes, Trudy. Today, we're going to take a little trip up north to the Owens Valley to visit Manzanar. I love road trips. Who doesn't love a good road trip? For those of you who might not be familiar with Manzanar, it's actually one of the first of the 10 incarceration camps that were created during World War II, the federal government called these war relocation centers, which was a sort of euphemistic term for what was, in fact, a place where Japanese Americans were imprisoned during the war. Some people call them internment camps. Other people call them concentration camps. It's about 200 miles north of Los Angeles. And over the course of the war, There were over 10,000 people incarcerated on the site. There's a whole generation of people that were affected by these camps. So Manzanar was designated 30 years ago as a National Historic Site, and the National Park Service has a volunteer community archaeology project where volunteers just come from all over the country and help to excavate and conserve the site. So in late March, they were able to do this project again for the first time since the pandemic shutdown, and it happened to be the 80th anniversary of the first incarcerees arriving in March 1942. So the cool thing here is that our students, we always try and get them out into the field to do stuff. And we're teaching a class called Cultural Resource Management this semester, which is all about archaeology. And so the students went up for the weekend and as part of their coursework, worked on this community archaeology project. And so it was super, super immersive experience on site. So about 90 people worked on the site of the former hospital this time, including Save As producer Willa Seidenberg, who is also a current heritage conservation student and We happen to have her here with us today. Special guest, Willa. Hey, guys. Nice to be here. Yeah. So so you actually went on this trip. What was it like? It was amazing. As I have told many people, it was actually life-changing. I've been to Manzanar several times as a visitor. I didn't ever feel the way I felt during this trip, because you're there, you're living it, you're looking at the old photos, you're experiencing the elements. We had a park ranger that came to give us a little uh, lecture, and she had to stop because the wind was so bad, she couldn't even hold on to her papers. Part of it is that you spend the weekend in intense physical labor, which felt really good. You get to meet these amazing people who are all there to do something positive and useful. And you get the sense of really what happened there. So it really reoriented my thinking about engaging in these kinds of sites and 
making a difference to restore it so that visitors can come and really see what happened there. To our great benefit, Willa served as our ace roving reporter, gathering some interviews from some of the community members from all over the country who came. And so we have some really great audio to share with you from her reporting on site, which is exciting. We also spoke with Mary Ringhoff, who is the instructor for the course that took students to the site. She is an added extra bonus alumna of the Heritage Conservation Program at USC, and now she's a professor. And Trudy also spoke with another current student, Danny Velasco, who was on the trip. So there's a lot in store for you, listeners. Let's get to it. Welcome, Mary, to Save As, and thanks so much for coming to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. What is your background? My background is in archaeology. My specialization has always been historical archaeology, so broadly defined as archaeology that incorporates the study of documentation and written records in addition to the artifacts and features and sites of the archaeological record. Tell me a little bit about your class. I envision this class as having a couple of different purposes. One is just to bring up cultural resource management as really the most common way that archaeology is practiced in the U.S. A lot of times people think of archaeology and they think of ancient sites in the old world. And a lot of people, when when I was working full-time in archaeology, they would ask me, oh, so you go to Egypt or you go to Israel and you do digs there? And I would say, no, I'm working in the middle of Nevada um, doing ground survey because a mine wants to expand their property. So part of it was just getting the word out about the reality of archaeological research in our country specifically. And then also I really wanted to highlight the importance of archaeology of cultural resources that are less visible, um, both surface and subsurface, and how they're such an important part of heritage conservation. Because as you know, our field historically focused more on the really charismatic, iconic uh, architecture, the built environment, as opposed to other kinds of sites and properties how did the man's in our field trip come about? I'm always interested in doing little bits of archaeology here and there in between my day job doing architectural history. So I talked to the folks there and got their contact information. And I was all signed up to go and volunteer on my own March of 2020, when the world then shut down and the program didn't have any sessions for two years. So this year, as soon as I found out that it was happening, I contacted Jeff Burton, who is the cultural resources manager there at Manzanar, and I asked him if they had room for not just me, but my whole class, and they did. It's already a very field trip heavy class because I think the most important thing is the boots on the ground, like just really being able to spend time on a site, get a feel for it, get a feel for what you're looking for, and kind of gain your your archaeology eye, where you're looking for different kinds of resources than you might normally be looking for. And so I just thought thought this would be such a good opportunity to help the park out um, while also providing this really valuable learning experience. It was such a treat to be able to do archaeology in the interest of improving interpretation and the visitor experience as opposed to compliance with preservation law and checking off each box that you need to check off to make sure 
you're following the law. That's the context in which most CRM work is done. And most of my experience um, was in doing those kinds of projects. So it felt very special to be looking at, expo we're exposing this bench feature and these uh, steps in front of what was the hospital building at the camp. So it's more visible and more accessible for future visitors and they can have a more meaningful experience. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to imagine things that you can't see. So even revealing remnants calls to mind a sort of different experience. And if you can see a historic picture and then see that same element still present in the landscape, it helps you visualize what it must have been like even a little bit more than you currently can. Yeah, exactly. And and the archaeologists from the park who were supervising the work, they had a binder of historic photos of the hospital area that we could look at. And so when, when we were excavating those steps, we could see, and, and there's also this bench that's got these rocks as a base. And then on the top, it's this faux wood slab that's actually made of concrete. And there was this master stonemason by the name of Riozo Cotto, who did a lot of this kind of work at Mansonar. Really fascinating faux wood work. And he also designed the obelisk that's the main monument in the Manzanar oh, cemetery yeah. that you see in all the pictures. There's one picture of Manzanar people know it's either the front gate or that obelisk in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. for sure. So being mm -hmm. able to see those historic photos and, you know, see that we're uncovering this bench that this person who was incarcerated at this site made. And then um, Ansel Adams took pictures of it when he took his, his series of photos of um, people in Manzanar. And there's a picture of a couple of people sitting on that very bench. And so you can really visualize what it was like then and what, it, what it's like now um, is not all that different. It's totally amazing. Time travel. Mm -hmm. There were other people working on the site, not just you guys. So what kinds of folks were there? There were people who have been volunteering for this program for many years, sort of the veterans of this program. And then there were people like us who were showing up for the first time. A really interesting mix and group of people and just all the nicest people. It, was, it just felt good to be around them. So now I want to turn to Danny Velasco, who is one of our students in the Heritage Conservation Program. So welcome to Save As, Danny. Thank you. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What are you studying at USC? What's your story? I grew up in Los Angeles. I thought I wanted to be a children's psychologist. I was really into alternative modes of healing and very interested in outdoor education. I worked as an experiential educator for a couple of years. I realized how necessary time outside is for children and for adults and how outdoor space isn't accessible for everybody. So I thought landscape architecture would be a great way to create more of these spaces. So moved back to LA and started the Master of Landscape Architecture at USC. And through coursework, I somehow fell into heritage conservation. That happens to a lot of us. Right? <laughs> as an educator, I love telling stories. I see myself as a storyteller. I really love listening to people and hearing, you know, where they come from and what's important to them. And so now I am a dual degree landscape architecture and heritage conservation student. What has this class been like for you? What, as a landscape architect, thinking about this aspect of our field? What has stood out to me and what I feel like I can relate to 
through my landscape architecture background is getting to know a site by spending time on it. I'm very interested on the boots on the ground aspect of just going to a place and walking it slowly, paying attention and recording everything and anything you see. I think it's a simple but powerful way to understand a place. Right. And thinking of what's not only above ground, but what's below ground. Yeah. And also being aware of how it affects other people. So I I think archaeology does a really good job at like thinking about its effect before actually touching the earth, because it realizes that once you do something, there's no going back. Certainly there was nothing more boots on the ground than this trip to Manzanar for the weekend to do archaeological work at the Manzanar historic site. What was it like being at Manzanar? Just arriving to Manzanar is a completely different experience than being in Los Angeles. It's surprising how innately beautiful and oppressive the landscape is. You're in this valley surrounded by the eastern Sierras or these jagged snowy mountains. I got there a little bit early and went to Alabama Hills and it was super windy, couldn't really open your eyes. And I remember thinking like, I am so happy I don't live here. You know, like I can't wait to get back in my car. I can't wait to get into the hotel room. Like this doesn't feel habitable. So when we arrived to Manzanar, I kind of felt a physiological kind of empathy for the Asian American people who were interned in the area. It's definitely a different experience than like reading about it in in a in a textbook or hearing about it. What kinds of things did you do while you were there over the weekend? There were three main activities. One was restoring a historic rock wall that had been built and kind of buried and it was broken due to flooding. So there was a little bit of the original rock wall and we were building up on top of it. And then another activity was clearing brush in the old hospital site. And the last activity was actually digging soil out of the ground and putting it on the screen and seeing if there's anything of interest that comes up and taking it and writing it down. And they were also digging out these covered up steps. Every morning we would come together in a circle and it was a pretty big group. Uh, I would say maybe 50 people on the first day, uh, maybe more. And everyone would go around and say their name and where they're from and why they're here. Everyone had a very different background and very different motivation for being there. So now we're going to listen to some of the voices of the folks who were there over the weekend and hear a little bit about their stories. My name is Tia Morita, and I'm from Los Angeles. I'm Yonsei, fourth generation Japanese American. My grandparents and my aunt, uncle, and my mother were interned here at Manzanar during the war. My mother was actually born here. My name is Lucy Fisher. I am from San Francisco. I am Japanese American, but born and raised in Honolulu, my family did not have to go to the camps. But of course, living in San Francisco, I've been hearing about it off and on, and thought I should, since I retired, 
you know, learn a little more about this. My name is Lynn Booker. I'm from Minnesota. I am here because I worked here many years ago in the early 90s after this became a National Historic Site and we surveyed and recorded the entire property that was designated. The first day I was here, I cleared brush. That was hard work. The brush here is in the ground, it's old, it's brittle. It was hard work, but, you know, at the end of the day, you look around and you say, damn, we did all of that. Okay. There's a natural slope in the landscape, so there's a lower area and a higher area. So they built the rock wall along that, I think to stop erosion between the two areas. And then they sort of landscaped below the wall and they made a bench out of concrete and then they made it sand it and made it to look like wood and it is also on some rocks just in front of the walls there's a lot of photos of people on the bench and near the bench there is a set of stairs that went to this main area the stairs are like right in here it's very photogenic Yesterday, we just started realizing that the steps were there. I said, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. So that's why, that when we did our little orientation, get to know you this morning, I said, I'm for the steps. Get out of my way. <laughs> Brushing away the dirt and exposing the stairs. From the photos, there were six stairs. And when we came, there were just these three. And so we're going to do five and six today. And you, did you hear that? The tap, tap, tap? That's where the last stair is. Oh, you can hear it. We find a lot of debris from tearing apart structures. Behind you, there's a rubble pile where they've tried to harvest metal from some water pipes, and they've torn it up, and then they made a big hole, and then they just tried to throw stuff in it, um, bowlers and footers and whatever they had to try and pretend we'll make this flat. Um, we have found marbles here. So the marbles are the most fun, so you know there's kids around here playing. There's been some, a couple of medical things, a couple little paper clips. I mean, you know, cause this is not a living area. This is like a workspace. Someone did find the bottom of a, a, like maybe a tooth powder bottle. You could see the word tooth in the glass. It was just a fragment of it. And we found one little ampule that was complete, where the top had been broken off and the contents were taken out. Perfect. When you find your first nail, hooray! And then you find a pin or a, anything, a piece of metal, and it's... <laughs> It's an addiction. It's like a treasure hunt. It is, exactly. Those buckets, they're our treasure buckets. My trouble tapped it. When people first arrive, you look very clean. Your clothes are clean, your jeans are clean. Within the first 20 minutes or so, you're brown. <laughs> you're dusty brown. You might have some dirt lines caked on your face in different areas. You know, you slowly start to learn. Uh, how to adapt and how to work in these conditions, which are windy, hot, sometimes freezing, depends on the time of year that you're, you're working. The weather has been beautiful, but 
you know, we're not here in December or July when it's burning hot. And I should say that you have a white shirt on and white pants. Mm -hmm. And what do they look like right now? They're pretty brown. <laughs> They're pretty filled with dust. I have a Manzanar outfit. I've reserved the same jeans and the same shirt and hat that I use only for Manzanar work because those clothes will have dirt stains in them that will never, ever go away. Last night, when I blew my nose, I said, oh, oh God, it's probably my ears too. And the wind's picking up right now, it so, is. you know, we're getting a tiny taste of it. We're doing this work here, and we get to go back to a hotel with hot water. I think one of the things that I always remember people in my family always saying, they constantly talked about the dust and the dirt and the wind. It was in everything. It didn't matter how much they cleaned. The barracks were so poor that the dirt and the wind just entered in easily through the cracks and got over everything, you know, their bedding, their food. There was no escaping the life here. It's just a way to, you know, remember my family's history, to respect this place, pay homage to what happened here and to restore and keep going the memory of Manzanar so that this never happens again. So Danny, what did you get out of this experience? How did it take what you've learned in the classroom and make it different or change what you thought about archaeology and cultural resource management? It gave me a better sense of how hard archaeology can be, how painful and difficult on the body it is. I woke up the next day and I was so sore and then I knew that I had to go do it all over again. So it gave me a lot of respect for, for archaeologists and people who work in cultural resource management because it's not an easy job. And I think being on site gave me a better idea of the experience of where Manzanar was. I can't say that I know what being at Manzanar was like, but I have a better idea of landscape in which it was. Something that I thought was really inspiring that I didn't see when I drove by the last time was the remnants of multiple Japanese gardens and farms. And earlier when I arrived there, all I can think of was like how uninhabitable the space felt. And yet the people who were interned were able to create something that was so important to their culture. It's powerful to see how resilient they could be in, in this forced environment. It's a place that so sparks the imagination about what it took to sort of carve out a space that you could live and exist, even when it wasn't a place you wanted to be, but to make it someplace that was okay, a little bit better than it was when you got there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's so much of that fabric of those gardens and the the park and the orchards and there's so much of that stuff still there is really amazing. All right, Mary, so we're going to turn back to you. As the professor of this course, what did you hope the students would get out of this experience? I just really wanted people to be able to spend a lot of time at a site that was important historically and really get a physical sense of it, which we definitely did with the wind and everything else. And just being able to spend enough time to get your archaeological eye. So when you're screening sediment through the screen, you know, a nail fragment looks an awful lot like a stick. 
until you find the first one and then they start popping out and then you're seeing nail fragments and nail fragments. And that's true of really any kind of artifact. And that's definitely true when you're an archeologist doing pedestrian survey, when you see a flake and you, you know, a lithic flake that's left over from someone making stone tools. Once you see it and you know what it looks like and you know what you're looking for, you can't stop looking for them. I still scan the ground whenever I'm hiking. I cannot look up at the landscape. You just see them because your eye is looking for them. You can't right ever unsee them, right? That's the main thing that I wanted students to get out of that. In the future, when they do go on to have careers working for cities or federal agencies or architectural firms or whatever it is, that they could recognize artifacts if they were on a site and they didn't know whether or not they should proceed with ground disturbance. So that, just in that very simple aspect, mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to recognize what does an artifact look like? What does a site look like? Realize that features that may be very significant, like the stepping stones we uncovered and the rock steps, they might not look like anything from the ground level. Right. But once you know what they are and you compare them to the historic photos, you really get that sense. And so I, I just wanted people to absorb that. And I, I think they did. I mean, I think everyone, you know, to some extent really recognizes what these kind of things look like now. I definitely harp on it enough in class that I think everyone <laughs> <laughs> knows not to assume that there are no archaeological resources left on a particular site. But hopefully the, the field trip drove it home and the other field trips that we did over the course of the semester, too. As you're thinking back on this trip... Did it work, what you were hoping for? I think so. I hope so. So I think it really was the physical aspect of being there and getting so dirty and experiencing these crazy wind gusts, especially on the second day we were there. If there was an aha moment, it's probably the same one I had when I went on my first real excavation in high school, which is that it sounds dumb, but you don't realize how dirty you're going to get and how much dirt is involved in archaeology, which... Seems like it's the most obvious thing, and you know that going in, but when you're actually moving bucket after bucket of dirt and it's getting blown in your face and, and all over your clothes, it is a different experience. It's, it's not like doing gentle excavation with a dental pick and a tiny brush in a you know, rock shelter with no dirt. You are just moving dirt, shovelfuls of dirt. And if, if anything brings home how hard it would have been to live there in those barracks with no kind of insulation with the wind whistling through the cracks and the dust coming in no matter what you do not a pretty moment in our nation's history for sure no and what what i keep thinking about is how beautiful the site is with the eastern sierras right there it's the most picturesque backdrop it's so lovely and i wonder did this make it better did it make it easier for people to have some pretty landscapes to look at? Or did it make it feel worse? Because they were there against their will. And I think there's a reason why Manzanar is the one that the government chose Ansel Adams to take the pictures at. Sure. It's, the landscape itself is just really something. I think there's a lot more left to uncover on the site. Mm -hmm. The hospital site you guys started working on has much more work left to do. So it's not over. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And there's plenty more to the site besides the hospital site. I mean, there are just so many layers to the stories there. And I, I also want to plug the Manzanar Community Archaeology Program. They're doing their next session 
May 27th through the 31st. And then there will hopefully be another one around Labor Day. And I think if you just Google Manzanar, you can find the um, National Park Service site for Manzanar and there's contact information. The person you're looking to bug is Jeff Burton, right? the cultural resource program manager who's worked there for decades. I really want to encourage anyone that's driving to Mammoth or Bishop or wherever you're going from Los Angeles or to Los Angeles through the Owens Valley, take the time to stop at Manzanar. Even if you only have an hour, there's a short auto tour with signs and the visitor center is really great. One of the barracks is open for you to go inside and experience what it's like. I just really recommend that people take the time to to check it out. It's absolutely worth a stop and even a purposeful visit to go to Lone Pine or Independence and stay overnight and spend a little time at Manzanar because I think the longer you're there, the more clearly you start to understand all the different layers of the place and the stories of the people that are intertwined with that place. Mm -hmm. For sure. And sobering. I will say it is a sobering spot. It, it really brings it home how easily history can repeat itself. And I think a lot of us realized that when the Muslim ban happened, and there was a lot of support for American Muslims from the Japanese community, the descendant community, just as there are from a lot of the Jewish American community in terms of immigrations, you know, we, we say this can never happen again, but it keeps happening. And so a place like Manzanar really reminds you, you know, what are the repercussions when you let it happen? Well, I want to thank you, Mary and Danny, for coming to talk a little bit about this and talk a little bit about what you found and, and about the journey to Manzanar. Wow, that was really something. Willa, thank you so much for that great audio. Trudy, thank you for those great interviews. And I will say, as Mary said, if you Google Manzanar, you're going to get about 80 million results. There's just so much great information out there. Oral histories, great photos, documentaries. There's so much. We will link to some of those resources on our episode page at saveas.place. We will also link to specific places where you can go to contact the people if you are interested in going on that next volunteer trip, which is over Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, we're here to help on Save As. We will also link to amazing photos that Bill Willis' husband took on the trip and other info. So save as that place. So as always, dear listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of Save As. It's the end of the semester coming up. And so we have a lot of class projects that are coming to fruition, including a bunch of community outreach work that our students have been doing. So the next few episodes are going to feature some of these projects and the work that they've done. So if you haven't already, be sure and subscribe so you don't miss the last ones. Our original theme music is by Stephen Conley. Save As is a production of the Heritage Conservation Program in the School of Architecture at the University of Southern California. 